Hello. How are you, Hello. Gravy? Um, I'm okay. I've been sleeping in until about 4 p.m. every single day. How are you? I'm good. I've been sleeping in until about 1, so a little better that than you. That is late for you. It is late for me. That is true. I've just been, I mean, I have nothing going on. I did, however, wake up at 6 o'clock today to teach my little online classes that I teach. Um, had an abundance of technical issues and then went back to bed and then slept until oh. 1. So You woke up at what time? Like 6. You. Yeah. What are you, in high school? I know. I think about that sometimes. How I got up at like 6 a.m. every day for high school and I somehow got us to school. Like I shouldn't have been allowed to drive that early. I was not awake. I would wake up at 5.15 in order to drive with mother to school. For those of you who do not know, I carpooled with my mom to school because she taught at the school that I went to. I don't know why any of you would know that except for Mercy. But she would get there earlier than like students need to be there. And so I would be there a full hour before everyone else, which meant I did have to wake up at 5.15. But then I'd go to sleep every night at like 2. How did I survive? I literally don't understand what I did because I would stay awake writing until 2 a.m. most nights and then wake up at 5 and go to school and be there until about four or five in the afternoon because my mom had to stay to do work and then go home and like what what from my understanding you napped the whole way to and from school and also would nap in mom's classroom after school that is true i would take naps um every chance i got physically but like that is horrible sleep though just like in the car and on horrific wooden desks like that's not anything you know yeah you were kind of miserable in high school i wonder how much of it was just sleep deprivation that is true that would probably affect someone's mental health a little bit eventually mm, i think it might chronic sleep deprivation hmm. isn't it crazy that we do that to high schoolers though yeah just it's make them get, a, get up it's we shouldn't it's bad stupid and it's dumb abolish high school <laughs> that's not the that's not the takeaway here i saw a tweet okay i saw a tweet that just said get rid of schools and i was like um i don't know how serious it was but I've been thinking about it as just in general since then. Get rid of them. We don't need just, them, apparently. That's like what my Sims suggest when they're like teenagers. Like, mom, I don't need to go to school. And I have to I use the parent school. selection to let them know they do still have to go to school. And um, do they gain empathy or what? What do they gain? Um, I think I usually do uh, the one that makes them have emotional control because I tell them that they're just not ready to live on their own yet. And school is just mm. a part of life right now. I've never understood why you like have to gain one but then lose one. Like it'll be like gain emotional control, lose empathy. What? Yeah, why, why are they mutually the exclusive? Can't we teach yeah. our children things that improve them both ways? Like I don't get why there has to be a, a whole thing about it. I don't know. Also, unrelated, not unrelated, but related, uh, but unrelated to this podcast, the update on The Sims. I I haven't looked at it. What is it? What's it like? Tell me about it. Oh, there's just they changed a lot. Um I don't know. I a lot of people are saying it's a lot of quality of life improvements. Like a lot of people seem to like it. I found that my Sims now don't listen to me when I tell them to do things, and I'm kind of uh, oh, they said we will rebel now. Oh no! Also, That's they not changed. Good for you. I know, right? And I think it might just be a glitch. I don't know if it's just my specific game or if other people are experiencing it. They also changed the trash can, the money trash can. I don't really understand how it works anymore, but I needed that money trash can. You needed to be given money every time you throw things away. If only real life were so simple. Literally, why don't I get paid for throwing my garbage away? What's up with that? What is up with that? Anyway, um, so things are happening in the world right now. They are. And we 
don't really believe that it is our place to add much to the discourse because as two white, very privileged individuals, it's really not not a moment for us to shine. Um, but we just kind of wanted to like make it known. And you would know this, of course, if you were on our Twitter, uh, that we are very much in support of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, very much in support of the current protests and the changes that are happening. But like I said, it's we don't really have anything to add to this conversation. I have no unique thoughts on this that really need to be said. So if you want to look in our description, we are going to include links to places where you can like actually make a difference. Um, and we took off last week because it didn't really feel like it was a moment appropriate for us to post anything. Yeah, felt inappropriate to be like, all of this is happening. Also, here's about a book, you know. I was like, oh, yeah, exactly. Should wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to get that out there up front. Uh, if you're not down with uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, I highly suggest you do some reading and educate yourself. Um, and if you are and you'd like to support, you can check out some of the stuff we've included. And uh, there you go. There you go. If you educate yourself and you still don't get it, don't think this is necessarily the right podcast for you. Not that we get particularly political here but i know i don't want anyone that is against the concept that black people deserve to live and deserve rights and that our police system is corrupt uh listening to us and chilling with us so make sure amen (laughs) get in with that and with that i don't think we've done our intro yet no we have not hi i'm cray and i'm marcy i'm a writer and i'm a reader and this is bookends a literary podcast where we talk about books I'll let you do that time yeah, i know i kind of was waiting for you to come in on it but that's okay ha, ha, ha. i was like she'll All do right. it eventually yeah and you were right you're correct i did do it eventually so i'm always right oh my god so this week is the end of our pirates theme our pirates theme that has yet to feature a pirate book <laughs> yep well it does now it does now. Hopefully. This week there absolutely is. And I made my segment very pirate heavy to make up for just the rest of it. A, yeah, it's been a rough. <laughs> Sometimes we pick themes just because they sound fun without actually thinking about the logistics of the theme. And this was one of those times where we didn't we had zero thought to like how we were going to do segments. We didn't even pick a great book for the for the theme. So nope. We were just like, OK, we'll do it. Oops. No thought of repercussions. <laughs> It's okay. Um, so this week we are reviewing, I've literally already forgotten the book name. All the Stars and Teeth by Adam Yes, Grace. All the Stars and Teeth. Um, and my segment for you this week is very pirate heavy. We are going to be playing a little game in which I have amassed Ooh. some of the major life events of fictional and real pirates. And you have to spot the fake one, like the fictional one. Okay. In the list of real pirate events. I did this because I know exactly nothing about real pirates. I really only know about like Pirates of the Caribbean, to be quite honest, um, which is not real pirates and isn't even particularly exciting from a fictional I standpoint. I don't remember anything about Pirates of the Caribbean. Franchise. The first like three movies I really enjoyed as a child, I will say, or as like a tween. A tween. More accurately. I love the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disney World. It has a very specific smell. And if you've ever ridden it, you know exactly hmm. what I'm talking about. If you have not, you... Can you describe the musk? It, it musk is a good word for it. Um, first of all, it's the best ride because it is indoors and it's very cool. You're in a little boat 
So you're out in the like 100 degree Florida humidity and then you get to go into this cool, dark ride where you're sitting on a little boat and there's a little breeze the whole time. Um, so that's really why I love it. <laughs> but you're just on a little boat and you're it's like one of those rides where you go through and you just like go through a bunch of little scenes. Do you know what I mean? Like on either side of you will be like a little town that's getting pillaged by animatronic by pirates and oh, no. you'll like go by like spooky skeletons and like treasure chests and stuff. But it's great because the majority of the line is inside and then the ride is inside and it's the best. <laughs> so you just get to be cool. I would basically know. basically never experienced. I had a friend, not a friend, I had a my boyfriend's friend, like I was meeting her for the first time, and she was asking me like just like about myself and stuff and somehow it came up that i was like a disney person mm, am i, I a disney person because i know real disney people so to yeah. me i'm not a disney person i'm just I a don't... person who likes disney and has been to disney world a couple times yeah but like i don't think it's my whole brand you i know? don't consider you a disney person necessarily because i also know specific disney people mm-hmm. who form their entire identity around the concept of Disney, which is a weird concept because it's just like a corporation, you know what I yeah. mean? And um, I mean, I, but... I get it. I do love Disney. I I understand it. But I just made me laugh when my boyfriend was like, yeah, she's a Disney person. And I was like, you're saying that because you've never met a real Disney person. Yeah, he is coming like, from a place of he's the most extreme. He like you are the most extreme version of a Disney person he's ever met. But like, come on now. Come on now. Like, seriously. Anyway, it could be worse. This has nothing to do with pirates. No, that's okay. <laughs> it's just, I don't think you can talk about pirates without exploring the Pirates of the Caribbean world. Um, so I'm going to be giving you a list of fictional and real pirates, and you have to pick out the fictional one in their list of mostly real pirates. Um, the reason I did this was because I was reading through history of pirates, and actual pirates did really cool stuff. <laughs> like... <laughs> Not cool because there's a lot of pillaging and murder, but very interesting stuff. There's a reason that we have romanticized them, and I thought that was kind of fun. So, are you ready? I'm so ready. Do we have a name for this thing that we're doing, or is it just sort of... I was torn between like a mystery date thing, because it's not really Mm. mystery date. Um, It's not really two truths and a lie, but Mm -hmm. kind of is. It's more like spot the imposter. Okay. Is really what it is. Spomster. Um, Spomster, sure. Spomster. This this is my segment, Spomster. Nice. Um, so first out the gate, I'm only going to give you, I don't know. I don't know. Some of their names are going to give them away. So I'm not going to give you names because then you will know like if, okay. if you recognize them or not. That's fair. Um, so we're starting out. First pirate right out the gate. Um, he was a Frenchman who started out as an indentured servant but worked his way up to a buccaneer targeting Spanish ships. So this is a real rags to riches situation. Um, he's after a shipwreck, he survived a Spanish attack by covering himself with blood and hiding among the dead men. And then he dressed himself up as a Spaniard and escaped with a few freed slaves, which was fun for him. Um, he then escaped to the island of Tortuga, which comes up quite a lot in Pirates of the Caribbean, I feel like. I don't know why. Uh, I didn't really realize it was a real place. Um, and he then held a whole town ransom from the Spanish, like... With his little motley crew of escaped slaves, he hold a whole town ransom from the great Spanish whatever. And then when the Spanish came to capture him, do you know what he did? Do you know what he did to the Spanish? What did he do? Did he kill him? He beheaded every single one of them. <gasps> Everyone? Everyone. Wow. He was also known for taking a, quote, impregnable city in South America in a matter of hours. He's what known to be an expert mean? in torture 
And he allegedly literally ate a Spaniard's heart. <sighs> Any reviews on how that tasted or was it just sort of um, you know, for the, the show? It was for the show. His whole thing was he was like, I am a scary psychopath. And that was his image. And he stuck to it. He so. committed to the bit. Nice. I can, a, I can respect that. Don't eat hearts, but I can respect that. Yeah, I agree. He did commit to the bit. And good for him. He really went for the full villain vibe. And I appreciate that about him. Um, he was ultimately killed by Native Americans after another shipwreck. So there's some justice there. Nice. All right. So that is uh, Bachelor number one. <laughs> <laughs> bachelor number two <laughs> uh was originally welsh he started out as a privateer uh he's a little he went through a little bit more legitimate route he worked for the actual army raiding spanish the spanish west indies actually he was so well liked by the uh english because he did such a good job of fighting the spanish because you know they hate the spanish that he was knighted eventually mm, and i feel like everyone is knighted in england Right, I know, because you can just knight anyone for anything. The king was just like, "You sir, you're a knight now. I like you." You're a knight. Um, he was eventually made lieutenant governor of Jamaica, but he was also accused of widespread torture by his crewmates. Um, cool. And eventually owned several large slave plantations. Okay. However, he was ultimately one of the most famous and arguably influential pirates of all time, um, in terms of like image. Like he really set up what a pirate looks like. Uh, but he wasn't ever technically a pirate. Everything he did was sanctioned by the English government. So, who are the real pirates if we're thinking about it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's Come really on. fun. So, batch number two. That's batch number two. He was privateer turned legitimate pirate. All right. Batch number three. Also, an Englishman who operated in the West Indies. That's kind of the theme, if you haven't noticed. Um, and some of, he also worked in some of the North American colonies, especially Virginia and the Carolinas. So, he's kind of got a little bit of a different thing going for him. Not much is known about his early life, um, but he became a true pirate when he captured a French slave ship, a French slave ship, renamed it the Queen Anne's Revenge, and uh, slapped a buttload of guns on it. I know that one. Yeah, you, you, you'll recognize this one. He was a big deal. Okay. Uh, he turned a slave ship into a pirate ship with a 300-plus person and crew. He then, and I think this is great, created a whole alliance of pirates to hold Charleston, South Carolina ransom. Um oh. This guy was a little bit of a psycho. He was really into the imagery. Again, a lot of these dudes really care about their their image. Uh, so to make himself more intimidating, he l- put lit fuses under his hat and in his beard to oh. intimidate his enemies. Okay. And he also just walked around with like a slew of guns across his chest. Quote, this is what someone described him as, real or fake, we don't know. Such a figure that imagination cannot form an idea of a fury from hell to look more frightful. Interesting. Is how he was reported as looking. He reportedly had a great buried treasure that, you know, people looked for after his death. Here's what I like about Bachelor number three, though. He actually didn't like violence that much, so he leaned heavily on intimidation to avoid oh. having to actually hurt anyone, which I think That's is kind of about fun. Him. It's kind of redeeming, yeah. right? I don't know if it's redeeming, but it is fun. I mean, it's I, the last Bachelor it's, number one, eight hearts. That is true. He is a, he on the scale. <laughs> I, Versus this dude scale, is like, he's... I will intimidate you with lit fuses that make me look I psychotic. Put, I will yeah. put fire in my beard. Exactly. In my beard and under so my I hat. to fight you. So you will not mess with me. Yeah. So you will not mess with me. Yes. So that's batch number three. He's got lit fuses. He's got buried treasure. He's got an alliance of pirates holding Charleston ransom. Um, not big on violence, though, for a pirate, all things considered. I mean, I'm sure he still did some violence, but 
comparatively. Our next pirate, Bachelorette number four. Very excited about her. Yes, please. She started out as a prostitute on a floating brothel and then married a notorious pirate. He died and she took over his pirate empire, basically. Queen? Um, She didn't just take over his pirate empire. She built that thing. She was a master politician. She ran this pirate ring like all over Asia. It was wild. She basically like gained the trust of her inferiors by sharing power with them. Instead of being like a super power hungry leader, she took this like route of making them feel important. She had great leadership skills. She terrorized the China Seas. Uh, she was known for leading the Red Flag Feet Fleet, not Feet, Red Flag Fleet, the um, red which flag eventually <laughs> would have over 70,000 people. Oh. So she's she basically kind of queen behavior. Yes, she basically commanded like an army or a yes. navy, I should say. Um, she, of course, got into conflicts with like everyone, the British, the Portuguese, the Qing Dynasty, um, like everyone hated her because she was an awesome pirate leading 70,000 pirates in the Chinese China seas. What we like about her though is that she also enacted a strict code of laws which included beheading for disobeying a superior, banned from stealing from their like public funds, um and death for raping captured women. So Wig. Good for you, ma'am. We like bachelorette number 4. I like bachelorette number 4. She's still a pirate, don't get me wrong. She still did piratey things blah, and blah, blah. But places were still pillaged and raided, but However, the men were not allowed to like rape everyone, which is a great improvement. Which is a over... big, big step up. Yeah. From she also some like, other guys. wouldn't kill women and children. <laughs> Thank you. So. Bachelorette number four. Yes. Yes, number four. Also, about her is that she had such widespread influence and like had hold of so many different villages and towns. She started levying taxes. This woman literally basically ran her own like sub country. I just. It's phenomenal. Great writing or great moment in history? We will see. We will see. All right. And we finally have Bachelorette number five. All right. So like many of our bachelors and bachelorettes. Did I say bachelor or bachelorette? This is a man. (laughs) Okay. You said bachelorette for sure then. I meant bachelor. Bachelor number five, uh, like many actually, I think basically all of them, was originally impoverished Irish man, but became a sailor at age 13. Again, little is known about his early life, but he was apparently drawn to piracy when he realized because of his humble beginnings, he would not be able to work his way up to a life of luxury as an honest sailor. Basically a greedy, greedy man, Mm. as many of these Mm. men were. Um, He operated in the Caribbean like basically everyone else did also shipwrecked in tortuga by a rival pirate ship because apparently that's a thing that happened a lot he was hated by the east india trading company and rival pirate groups which i feel like again run of the mill for this and unfortunately for him he had to rebuild his title as captain after a devastating defeat from a as a first mate but he allegedly took control of his ship again by murdering the captain so he was real good at that whole mutiny situation Um, eventually he was successful enough to have a tin ship fleet and in a moment of vengeance and justice, he was killed by a rival captain. So he ascended by killing his captain and was dethroned by being killed by someone else to become captain. Poetic justice. Poetic justice, really. Or All just right, a so cycle. quick. I don't know. Or just a cycle, you're right. So quick rundown again. Batch number one was uh, cover himself with blood, take impregnable cities, and eat a Spaniard's heart. Okay. 
Bachelor number two started out as a privateer, super influential in terms of the image of a pirate, was knighted because he was great at annoying the pesky Spanish. Everyone was knighted. Yes, everyone was knighted. Bachelor number three uh, is the one who took a slave ship, slapped a bunch of guns on it, and made it a pirate ship. Alliance of Pirates in Charleston, fuses in the beard. Bachelorette number four. Do I need to say more? You remember her? No. Uh, we know. And bachelor number five know. was a greedy Irish man who was poetically killed in the way that he had killed previously. So now my job is to decide which Tell one me. of these is not real. Yes. Is that the deal? I want to go with, I don't think it's number two. Well, I don't know. This is hard. We made this one hard. I know. This is difficult. I don't want number four to be the character because I like her. So I'm going to pretend that that's not an option. Um, <laughs> number five. <laughs> what, what What's number five again? Greedy Irishman who was poetically Greedy killed. Irishman who was poetically killed. Who also operated in the same region that everyone else operated in. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with number five. Now tell me, why are you choosing number five? Uh, because this is hard. And I remember number two had quotes, which feels more like it would be harder to find quotes from if it were like a movie or book. You'd have to actually like go look at the script or whatever to find a quote about them that feels like it would be more difficult than if you were just reading an article about a pirate and taking a quote from it so i feel like it's not number two i like the showmanship not the showmanship but the pizzazz of eating someone's heart in number one so i want that one to be real because i think it's funny number three feels correct i don't want number four to be fake because i like her and i don't really care for number five so you would be correct. Number five Yay. is fake. Did you also notice number five is the least interesting? Yes, I did. Yes, because I did. this is what I found. Okay. This is wild to me as I was doing this research because I was trying to really make it more fictional and sneak a, a real one in there. But the real pirates were so much more interesting than the fake ones. Why do like, you think they made them less interesting? Like, why did I that happen? No, I looked up at all these like historic, like, or all these literary important pirates and they were so boring i don't know why they just i don't know if it's because if you make someone do these things in fiction it feels like too much like mm, that might be it but might be like he went number five is the non-magic version i had to take out magic that was also right. a problem a lot of things there were a lot of like curses and stuff number yeah. five is the bare bones non-magic version of captain barbosa from pirates of the caribbean oh my God. he was the most interesting one and he was the one of that was all of the killed someone pirates. to become Captain. leader. Yeah, and then someone else killed him. That makes sense. Yeah. That feels like some poetic justice slash cyclical is something that would happen in a, yeah. a movie. Yeah. So. No, so Bachelor number one, his name is Francois. French last name, Luanai. I don't know how to pronounce it. I've literally never taken a French class in my life. Um, his first name is Francois, though. Um, yeah, he allegedly ate a Spaniard's heart. He was so scary. People were terrified of him. Bachelor number two is Captain Henry Morgan, which you've probably actually heard of. Yes. Yes. Bachelor number three is Blackbeard, who I did not know oh. was real. I thought he was fictional. Oh. Um, no, he was real. Oh. Bachelorette number four is Ching Shi. Madame Cheng is her, like I guess, like English version of her name. I'm so happy she's real. I am so happy just, she's real. I'm so happy she's real. She was such an amazing, like, just I love so that she was like, you may not steal from the public funding 
cool. Like, this is for everyone. You cannot take this Literally. specifically. I know we're pirates and we steal. You can't steal from this. Like, the I way it that. worked is if you worked for her and you went and, like, raided a town or got bounty, you got to keep, like, 80%, but you had to donate 20% to the public fund. And she used the public fund to, like, upkeep the ships and, like, make sure everyone was fed and taken care of and for bribes and, like, also herself because um, she was still a pirate. But I just, I let, there was a whole code that everyone had to follow of rules to make sure that their pirating was like weirdly ethical, despite, I mean, she still like sold people into slavery and whatever. But as I said, you couldn't. As like, ethical as you can get with a pirate. While still being a pirate lord. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just, and also I just love that she played the po- the political game. Like that was her thing is she wasn't out there doing the like pillaging. She was at the top managing using her power like like just playing everyone around her like pawns and i just am so happy that she was real cause... i love villains who have their own set of codes within their little villain community yes i, I love that don't know why but it makes them so much more interesting to me if they have their own personal set of codes that they follow and like objectively the other stuff they do is bad and not good and don't do it but like when they're like okay i have a line that i'm not going to cross and this is what it is like i love that i don't know why i appreciate that her line was not hurting women i appreciate that as well i really the men were not allowed to even if it wasn't rape they weren't allowed to have sex with women that they had captured and if they did they had to marry them and then they had to be faithful them they would be beheaded if they cheated on their wives why did that make me happy don't behead people but like also don't pillage villages don't pillage villages don't be a pirate pirates were horrible and whatever but like also she's cool so it's fine (laughs) i also like love that she had a tax system like she was the government (laughs) she's like which i recognize it's it's more mafia like like the bribes to keep them away but like the fact that it was so widespread is what it just kills me and eventually i didn't include this um she eventually a large portion of her fleet was captured and defeated but she like levied her power and influence to attain amnesty from the government and ultimately was paid to be an official pirate in the imperial navy oh my god she negotiated to keep basically all of her wealth and only 150 of her men were executed out of the 17,000 that were captured oh my god that's i didn't know it was going to be that many people jesus she commanded a fleet of seventy thousand people men women and children love her where's the book about her where the movie that's what i was wondering i've never heard of her i don't know if it's just because she's she's a chinese woman and so we as westerners wouldn't have heard of her but we should because this is amazing and i need to read about her and her life i just why would i care about any of the other people when she's here you know what I mean? I love her. Her husband, the one that died and left her this pirate thing, yeah. um, literally married her because she had, quote, powers of intrigue. Huh. So he could, like, use her to, I guess, like, get more power. But legitimately, they got married and off the bat, he was like, you are so valuable to me. You have 50% control and share of everything. Oh, my God. From the get-go. Wow. So- I. Everything you tell me about her, I'm like, she gets cool and cool. I want a book about her. There Honestly, I'm gonna look. I did this segment because I found her. And I was like, I really? just, I want to talk about Ching Shi. Ching Shi. Oh, um, I want to talk about Ching Shi. Because this she's is dope. phenomenal. And I, I think her. she's neat. 
And I figured you would think she was neat. So, and I everyone do. should think she's neat because she is, or she was. So, like we said, yeah, those pirates, pirates are bad, blah, 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 but she's good. Pirates are bad, but real pirates are better than fictional pirates, like by far. Yeah. They have more pizzazz. The theatrics of it, you lose in the movies and the the books and the whatever. Yeah. There's the the je ne sais quoi of eating someone's heart and putting lit fuses in your beard to scare people away. Like, I don't know if it's because in books and media, the protagonist isn't a pirate. And therefore, because they're usually the antagonist or at best, like, sort of an ally, they're not flushed out all the way. So you don't get Mm. all these interesting details. I don't know if that's what it is. Yeah. But I just, the the real pirates are so much more interesting. I just, you can't write this, apparently. Apparently, you can't write about a man taking a impenetrable city in a matter of hours, then torturing everyone, and then eating a Spaniard's heart. Apparently, that's off limits. I just, come on. We can do better. <laughs> come on. It, it's <laughs> Basically, we me. can do better. I don't write pirates, but someone should write should write something that is as wild as real pirates actually were. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. I just want to read a book about um, Madame Ching. So. I agree. Speaking of pirates. Yeah, which we've said that word a lot today, huh? Yeah. Do we want to get into Let's, the book? We probably should. So right. this week we read All the Stars and Teeth by Adeline Grace. Was this your pick? Yes, it was. Okay, I guess then you can uh, tell us about it. All right, I will. Set in a kingdom where danger lurks beneath the sea, mermaids seek vengeance with song, and magic is a choice. She will reign. As princess of the island kingdom Visidia, Amora Montara has spent her entire life training to be High Animancer, the master of souls. The rest of the realm can choose their magic, but for Amora, it's never been a choice. To secure her place as heir to the throne, she must prove her mastery of the monarchy's dangerous soul magic. When her demonstration goes awry, Amora is forced to flee. She strikes a deal with Bastion, a mysterious pirate. He'll help her prove she's fit to rule if she'll help him reclaim his stolen magic. But sailing the kingdom holds more wonder and more peril than Amora anticipated. Destructive new magic is on the rise, and if Amora is to conquer it, she'll need to face legendary monsters, cross paths with vengeful mermaids, and deal with the stowaway she never expected, or risk the fate of Visidia and lose the crown forever. I am the right choice, the only choice, and I will protect my kingdom. That was All the Stars and Teeth by Adeline Grace. I do want to say, um, mm-hmm. before we get into the rating, that I made a little mistakey in that I had been seeing lots of things about this book. The cover is very beautiful. It fits with our pirate theme, which we chose independent of this book because we just thought it would be fun. And I decided to read it. Um, only after reading it did I realize I am agent siblings with this author which means that Adeline Grace and I are represented by the same person. So a little bit of conflict of interest there in terms of reviewing a book that was uh, represented by my current agent. So in the future, we're not, I'm going to make sure to not do that again because this was entirely an accident. And like, it just feels, you know, it just feels wrong to review a book like that when there is that um, relationship there. It just feels like it was a mistakey. It's difficult to give an honest review when you have something at stake, such as having the same agent. Yes, <laughs> agent. Um, so in the future, I will make sure not to do that. However, it is too late to change this now. So we're just going to do this. And 
I won't do that again in the future. So, I, however, have no stake in this. <laughs> yes, you have no stakes. You can you can do whatever. Yeah. You so. can do whatever, say whatever. It's fine. Yep. But do you want to start? Do you want me to start? What do you want to do? Um, do you want to start? It was your pick. You want to lead us into it? I want to sure. say actually real quick, our complaint mm-hmm. about fantasy synopses usually giving you no information, this mm-hmm. was a good synopsis. It actually told us some stuff, and I really appreciate that. Yeah. I was thinking about that. I was reading it. I was like, oh, okay. Um, okay. So first rating, enjoyability. I gave it a three. My ratings for this book are going to be pretty much just three the whole way through, honestly, because I had a very overall it was fine feeling about this book. I Not that I didn't like it, but I just didn't um, love it. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't feel like it was written for me because I'm also not really a fantasy person. I'm realizing more and more, um, especially, I don't know, is this considered high fantasy or like fantasy with intense world building, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think this is considered high fantasy. We're not into like yeah. orcs and elves and stuff, yeah. but there is a lot of world building, yes. Yeah, I I don't love fantasy with a lot of world building, I'm realizing. Or if I do, it has to be very specific. So I think it just wasn't for me. And so a lot of my feelings are sort of like, oh, it's okay, you know. So in, for enjoyability, I gave it a three. I did really like the mermaid that is present. I thought she was very fun. And she was a lot of the draw for why I picked this outside of the fact that it fits our theme was I was like, hmm a recent mermaid book because I feel like I haven't heard of or read a book with a mermaid in many, many years. I was really into, um, what was that movie we watched as children? Was it Aquamarine? Did I make that up? Yes. Aquamarine. Aquamarine. I Where she's like was a mermaid that has to find kid. love. She's a mermaid that has to find love and yeah. spoilers, the love is for her friends. Uh, that's cool. <sighs> Not that that's related I, to this I book, rewatched that movie um, my like sophomore year of college. Like I was just like having a, like a, like a girls' night. We're like, let's watch Aquamarine. It's so bad. Is it really? It does not hold me. up. I mean, like I love oh. it still deeply, but like, oh no, the, all of it. <laughs> yeah, didn't she have like little um, starfish earrings and they'd whisper? She had starfish that would give her compliments. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, um, my main draw was the mermaid, and I did like the mermaid a lot. Um, she's also bisexual, the mermaid, I'm pretty sure. And that was cool. She talks about how she's been with women and is interested in being with a man. And I was like, um, kind of a wig. I liked the thing with Farrick, who is, there's not really a love triangle in this book. There is a character that likes Amora. She does not like him and has not at all. And Amora likes someone else. And there's never really like, oh, will she like this dude? Like that doesn't happen. However, Farrick is this guy that she's like basically been betrothed to her whole life because it would make sense politically for them to be married because the way that the magic works is you have one kind of magic and his is he can like regrow parts of his body and do healing and stuff and the way that her magic works is she needs she needs bones to do hers um and so she can he she can basically take his body and he'll regrow it and it'll be fine and she can just use it to do her magic which is horrific and so creepy, and I really liked that. I was surprised. I don't think I appreciated how creepy that is. And now that you've it's said it again, so I'm like, wait, I love scary. it. <laughs> like it's so like I really like that because it's like because he's so chill about it in the book. Like he gets his hand cut off at one point, and he's like, oh, <laughs> his hand cut it. off like every four paragraphs. Yeah, like- <laughs> and it's like, oh my god. And she just like 
just uses his bones to do her magic and so it makes sense for them to be a couple which i miss like is why they're betrothed to each other but like she doesn't like him obviously so i also liked ferrick more than i think the book wanted me to i agree like i feel like the book was was really like "Mm," you know about him because amora doesn't like him so you're not really supposed to like him necessarily but i didn't find him as annoying as i think the book wanted me to think he was yeah i think they were trying to make him seem a little pathetic but in reality i was like you're just like a good guy who's like you've agreed to something and you're trying to uphold your end of a bargain yeah and i and i i definitely understood why amora was so like i am not going to marry you i do not like this i resent this because that makes sense but i also understood why ferrick was like okay well i don't like it either but i'm trying <laughs> you know like I'm, I'm trying to do this yeah um, he was trying to be like an honorable guy yeah and also he was like nice and, i liked him <laughs> yeah he was nice but yeah i think those were the main things i liked a lot was i liked the mermaid and i liked how creepy the magic is honestly um yeah the magic is dark and i like that system. yeah i will say the magic system is pretty unlike what i've read before and i do like that there are the book doesn't try to not make it creepy. Like, it's very matter-of-fact about how it is because this is just normal for Amora, but it also isn't not scary. I like that. So, however, I did not connect to the love interest who was a large part of the book, the pirate, and that kind of influenced me to not really care particularly when he was around. So that's why I kind of even out to a three was I... Liked some stuff, didn't like some other stuff. You know, average three. So Yeah, that's where I landed. I agree with the three. Once again, I feel like we have to say it every time. I know for a lot of people, three is like a bad book, but we decided to get rid of rating inflation that three is an average rating. I'm like, you know, good. Um, so my main critique, I let me start with positive. I really liked the world, similar to what you said. You know, it was like dark and it had this really unique magic system that I haven't really seen in any other books. Like it didn't feel um, like something that had that had been played out before necessarily. Uh, I liked that our heroine was this like very unapologetic, like strong female protagonist and not in a like dystopian heroine way, but like in a legitimately strong and unapologetic way, which I appreciated about her. Like, not just that they tell you she's strong and unapologetic. Like, she genuinely exhibits yeah, those characteristics. Exactly. No yeah. one says that about her. That's just how she is. And yeah. I really appreciated that. I found that I didn't, like you said, I did not connect to the romance. I thought the book would have been better without it, to be honest. Um, I kind of thought it was a little distracting and a little just, like, it felt unnecessary. Like, we didn't need to have her have a fling or thing. I don't even know. With with um the pirate guy like it just yeah you knew it was gonna happen because he's described as cute way too many times and you knew it's gonna happen because of the way the book is shelved and you knew it was gonna happen because she's not into her fiance so it has to be someone else and it just felt a little contrived to me like i just didn't think that it needed to happen um i feel like it was trying to tick a box of like oh if i add a romance then people will like it more. And I just don't think it needed it, to be honest. Um, so that kind of took away points for me because usually that's something I really enjoy about a book. I love romances. And so that was a little bit disappointing for me that I did not feel very connected to their romance. Like it just, it felt very like physical, like surface level to me, I guess. I didn't feel like there was like a big, strong connection between them. I will also say, not to spoil anything, but I mean, 
you kind of can tell you can tell that there's going to be a twist at some point just based on like how like the drama of the story um the drama and i will say i didn't see the specific twist coming like it still surprised me even though i knew something was up uh so i did appreciate that um so yeah i like that it's it's still maintained like something like new and exciting even though the, the, the whole book is like that and like i knew there was gonna be a thing do you know what i mean like you're reading a book and you can tell like there's gonna be a big thing at the end because yes that's the that is that's the, the that's formula we've set out on <laughs> yeah yeah so i did appreciate that so overall i gave it a three because i was like this is a good book like if this is something that you like if you're interested in the concept of this book like i would say pick it up you know um but it did not floor me so three i think that's fair um balance i also gave it a three like i said very just felt okay about it felt felt fine i wasn't bothered by anything i also wasn't blown away by anything so three for balance i gave it a three but kind of for somewhat different reasons so my three rating for balance is more based off of uh there's some things i did like and things i didn't like and so they even out i did like that i felt like it is a pretty quick moving book like i feel like stuff is happening all the time so like if that's, that's what you're looking fair. for yeah. that's great like there's always a thing happening there's not a lot of downtime to be honest um but i gave so that was good but i just thought it was too long and i don't really know if that goes in balance but i think that's the most appropriate category for it i don't know i just thought maybe like we could have condensed some stuff like even though things were always happening not everything that happened needed to happen in my opinion um mm, and see. it just kind of despite being pretty fast paced i was kind of fatigued by the end because it was just so much and it made it hard for me to finish because i was just kind of like oh god are they still fighting like is something are we still in danger <laughs> like i needed to not be in danger for a second or i needed there to be less books so that i wasn't as like tired <laughs> so i understand what that, you mean but that's a funny way yeah, to put it i know it's just i just got tired i was like this is just like a lot back to back which for some people is a plus so i didn't want to like, destroy it you know yeah. for that reason just for me i was a little like oh my god i need to like i need to get my bearings um <laughs> so i gave it a three because i thought like it's good that it is fast paced but it's probably a little too much for me personally so nice um expectations i gave it a three i was expecting a fantasy book with a little bit more world building than i necessarily read um i kind of knew going into this that this was not a book necessarily for me but i thought it would be interesting for the pod and i was correct so i gave it a three I gave it a 2.5 on expectations because this is more in my wheelhouse and I liked it, but I was expecting to like really like it. Uh, and I think really a lot of that comes down to Mance that I've already talked about, about that falling flat for me. And that was probably going to be the thing that really like elevated how much I was invested in the characters. Um, and that would usually add a lot for me because I just enjoy reading romances so much. Uh, but because the romance side did not really live up to my expectations of it, I felt a little disappointed in it actually because I wanted I wanted to like Bastion and Amora. I wanted them to like uh, I just I wanted to be invested and I just wasn't really invested in them like as a couple. And so I have to give it a two point five, which is kind of sad. It's so weird how like how different opinions on couples are because it's 
obviously everything is subjective, blah, 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 blah. But like, I don't know how to express when I don't care about a, a couple. I don't know why, you know? And I don't know why when I, why I do when I do other than like the vague concept of like, Oh, chemistry. But like when you, like when you're looking at a book, it's, it's so difficult to pinpoint what exactly it is that makes someone interested in a couple and someone else be like, Oh, I'm bored by this. That's so interesting to me. I don't know. I mean, I agree. It is interesting because it's very, um, it's not concrete what it is that makes you really invested in a fictional relationship and it changes person to person. But for me, I just need there to be, I think I, I am not big on the instant attraction trope. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I think maybe that's it for me. I like there to be a little bit more of a buildup. Um, and they're fair. very much, I don't even think they're love at first sight. They are just like into Attraction each other at first sight. Yeah. At first sight. Yeah. And honestly, love at first sight is even a little bit more compelling to me than instant attraction. I just felt that their relationship was so physical and that's just doesn't, mm. that doesn't mm. add anything to the tension because there's no, there's nothing at stake. Interesting. At least it started right. out very physical to me, whatever, if it changes. But I just didn't feel that there was an emotional streak. And I think that's what was disappointing to me. There's definitely a physical chemistry, but that, like I said, doesn't add tension. It doesn't, there's no vulnerability in that. There's nothing at stake. You know, it doesn't make it, it doesn't make it any better or worse. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, just I understand. Like, oh, it she's just sleeping with that guy. And it's just yeah. a fact of life. And is that realistic? Yeah, that happens in real life. Like, right. it, it definitely adds a realism element to it. But like, it doesn't add anything storyline wise. And so it just was disappointing to me when it was included, but it didn't feel satisfying. Like I wanted to sink my teeth into it more, but there wasn't enough substance to it. Nice. That's a good way to put it. I appreciate you for Thank you. I just, I was like, I'm, tr I'm gonna try and articulate this because I do read a lot more romances than you do, and I feel like I have a yes. better grasp on what I do and don't like and why. Um, I mean, I think I've literally read twelve chick lit books mm -hmm. in the past week and a half. In the past I week have. and a half. Have you not seen my Goodreads? No. Are you okay? Oh I mean, I've just been sitting around bored, and they're oh like soothing to me because they just they end up happy. That's true. And the world is on fire. And I recognize I knew it you'd a been privilege. reading a lot, but I didn't yeah. realize it was that much. Yeah. I recognize it's a privilege for me to be able to like escape into books like that right now. Right. Um, but I am currently stuck in a house in moderately rural Texas with no way of like actually being useful to anyone. So here yeah, I am. Yeah. You're just like in a house right now. You're not even like at your apartment or like. No. <laughs> yeah. You're just an empty house. <laughs> Yeah, basically <laughs> so you know i've just that's kind of been my uh, coping mechanism and i'm not working right now either so i just have a lot of free time yeah so. that's fair anyway <laughs> anyway writing style um i gave it a 3.5 i did like the writing style of this book it's hard because i don't have a it, w it was a borrowed copy from the library so i don't have it with me to like get quotes necessarily but um i liked amora's voice so a little bit above average for me, 3.5. So this is, I think, where we disagree. I gave it a 2.5. No, I'm reading my thing uh, wrong. I gave it a 3. Uh oh, oh okay. Um, yeah. Um, so my critique is that it's a little much. This book is maximalist, to be quite honest. Mm. It is heavy-handed, I think, in 
all of the ways it could be. The, the world is big and bold and bright. The people, big personalities with, you know, like lots of visuals. The magic is not subtle. The I, I just feel like it's a lot at every turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the writing was a little much for me at sometimes. I am really annoying. I have pet peeves about writing style, and this is yes, the most do. subjective thing. Um, but one of my pet peeves, and I think I've talked about this in the pod before, is extraneous descriptions. I do not like when you like you try and add emphasis to writing by just tacking on a few extra words to a sentence. So like I, I don't like <sighs> I wish I had it right in front of me. I listened to the audiobook, unfortunately, this week. So I don't have like, I did too. Great, I don't have like great uh quotes on this. But like it's so subtle and this is such a thing for me. Like instead of saying like I feel it in my soul, be like I feel it in my very soul. Mm. Do you see the difference there? Yes. And it's just these little words. It's so subjective. I understand. I know I'm being obnoxious. It's those little words that add up to make a whole paragraph feel like too much. Like it could just be snappier and you like some snappy writing. I like my writing to be more concise. Like I don't, I don't know, maybe that's because I'm like a science person and that's how Mm. I've learned to write a lot in my life. Um, But that's, it's not that I don't like flowery writing. Like I, I do enjoy writing that is more like cerebral and like has a lot of description, but I want every word in a sentence to be there for a reason. And so I get frustrated when I'm reading or when I'm listening and I feel like I'm like wasting time basically with random words that add no meaning. They add no like value to the sentence, but they add length and they add just like they make it feel hairy mm. and like, I don't know. Does that? No, that makes this sense. Is such a specific pet peeve of mine. Yeah, it is it's very specific. this in the line thing. <laughs> oh, your line thing. You know, but my, I, I understand my line for emphasis thing. Your line um, for emphasis thing. It just feels like it's trying really hard. I think that's what it is. Is it's just like a little bit too much. Like like more is not always more. Um, and I wonder. So you read I more fantasy than me. Mm-hmm. You read more fantasy than me. I wonder if that writing style is like how much of that is like. I wonder if this author wrote a contemporary. If that would still be there. Like if that is just how she writes or if it is specific to a kind of fantasy vibe do you know what i mean because the, re- oh, okay, the reason it's definitely a fantasy thing yeah okay. because that's why i have it as a pet peeve is because oh, i notice yeah. it so much in fantasy writing is fantasy writers i guess because they're building these big worlds and things are a little bit more formal um mm-hmm. which makes sense like it fits the tone of the book for the writing to be a little bit more formal right. i feel like they often feel the need to make their writing as like baroque as possible and yeah it's just not necessary i don't think it adds anything to the story or the storytelling or the world building it just kind of makes me feel like get on with the point sometimes obviously i don't read as much fantasy as you but the only time i've ever like been particularly bothered by that was i was reading a separate fantasy book that i otherwise really enjoyed i'm not done with it i'm gonna keep reading it and there's also a sequel so i'm gonna read that one too so i so it isn't a game changer for me but the author says betwixt and I hate it so much. Please don't say betwixt. I don't know why that bothers me, but it does. No, I, I'm the same way. You know how I am. Use anachronistic language. You are writing to a modern audience. Like, it's okay if the word didn't exist when, you were, when the book is taking place. You're not writing to that audience. You're writing to today's audience. Use today words. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> Use today word. I'm sorry. I have a lot of thoughts about syntax 
for fiction or a fantasy <laughs> because I love just, that you have so many thoughts about there that. are some conventions of the genre that I think need to go. <laughs> so as I a reader. would love and I'm sure it's out there. I just haven't read it yet. I would love a just real casual high fantasy. Not oh, it's like my dream. an urban fantasy. Not like it's like kind of modern, but there's magic. Like, no, there are elves and things, but they're just real cash about it. You know what I mean? I think that'd be fun. Like like I said, I get why fantasy requires a formality to it because it, it helps set the tone. Like, I understand that. Like, But also, I it think that'd be sense. really fun. I think it'd be just, really fun. They don't all need to be like that, but I would like one that's like very chill about it. Like, just like super chill about it. <laughs> well, and I was going to say, in contrast, um, our last read, uh, oh my God, what was it even called? Darker Shade of Magic. Yes, A Darker Shade of Magic. That writing style didn't have all of the fluff to me. And it was still a fantasy hmm. and it still had all it these like big magical elements. Formal. And it still sounded formal, yeah. but it didn't have the fluff. Interesting. And I think it's that so really subtle, does, but yeah, I think that really does come down to like literally like a few words percent. Like it's like so little. Exactly, it is that, an like, extra word it, but... every sentence, every other sentence that adds up to my overall like Feeling. vibe. Yeah. I think it added to the fatigue for me mm. I the, right. that I was talking about with balance of just feeling like it was too long and too much. And so it's just, and it's so subjective. Like some people are going to read this and like literally not notice it. Some people are going to read this and like mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And obviously, like, enough people liked it for it to get published. So, like, I'm probably in the minority here. This is, like, a very specific pet peeve that I have that has been developed from reading fantasy crap for the past 15 years of my life or yeah. however long it's been. So, yeah. 2.5. That was a lot of explanation um, to dock half a point. Three. Ah, shoot. Dang it. I keep reading my notes wrong. <laughs> it's a three. You fool. <laughs> Yeah, okay. It's a three because I still really loved the world and I still liked all of that. And I thought that that had like a lot of merit to it. So like it probably would have been a four if it wasn't for I will say there is issue with fluff. There's one specific like line of dialogue. I liked the dialogue. Is that weird? But there was like a part. No, the dialogue was good. And that's yes. not always, that's not easy to do. Yeah. There's a part where I don't remember who, but someone was like, are you flirting with me? Because I can't tell based on how violent you're being. And I just thought that was funny. And that was the only thing I remembered from it since it was in front of me. (laughs) No, I did forget that until you mentioned it. The dialogue is good. Like, I like how the people interact. Like, how the characters interact is, like, really well done. So, like I said, I would give this book a higher rating for writing style. And if you don't have the same pet peeve of mine, you'd like it more. I'm just really specific. (laughs) You're just so specific. Okay, memorability. I gave it a 2.75 because... We are behind on this episode, which means that I actually read this book like three weeks ago or something stupid. And I don't remember a whole lot. I don't remember a lot. So I already have, I would usually just give it a three, but because I know that I already have forgotten a lot, I went ahead and gave it a little bit lower because I was like, ooh, yeah, it's happening. So for similar reasons, I gave it a 2.5 on memorability. Yeah. I just don't, I don't remember a lot of specifics. Like, I remember about the characters. Yeah. Now that we started talking about it, it's, like, coming back to me a little bit more. But, like, if we hadn't talked about it and you told me to just, like, say things that happened, I'd be like, "Mm, I don't know. And I wonder, I wonder, though, how much that has to do also with the fact that I was, like, listening to it and not looking at it as well. Like, I don't know how much of that is my personal experience with reading it and how much is the story necessarily. But, so, regardless, 2.75 for me. Yeah, I don't know. I listened to it too, but I've noticed because I 
read things more than I listen to them. Um, I've noticed that I retain both pretty well. I guess I would do well as an auditory learner. So I feel pretty confident that my listening to it is basically equivalent to my reading it. And I don't remember a lot of events that happened. I don't. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to give it 2.5 because it has been like probably two weeks since I finished it. So On the subject of audiobooks, I I listen to them all the time, obviously. You know this about me. And I used to be like, to my boyfriend, I'd be like, you should read more. You should listen to some audiobooks and whatever. And he was like, mm, I just don't think I'm like an auditory person. Like, I don't really listen to podcasts and stuff. And I was like, that's fair. So I didn't push it. But he is visiting with us right now. Like, he is um, at my house with us for Miss Rona purposes so he's just like staying for a few weeks um and i had gotten a audiobook from the library and i was like can i just like play this out loud like you don't have to like pay attention to it but like i want to listen to it he was like yeah that's fine and so i played it and he was like hey this is really good actually and so we just listened to the whole book together (laughs) and and afterwards he was like this is kind of lit maybe i should do this (laughs) and i was like you should you should listen to more so I've been trying to like just download different ones and play them in the same room as him to encourage him to listen to them because everyone should be listening to audiobooks and reading more. I totally agree. I feel like and I we're not gonna reach anyone new by saying this because our book is a, our book. Our podcast is about books, so the people here already are listening. But like I just I think that we are way better at getting auditory information than we realize we are because we have learned in school that that's hard but I think narratives are different like that's the way that humans told stories for most of human history is exclusively through like oral narratives and I think we're just good at that and I think they're interesting and they're compelling and our brains like listening to stories you're so right I and I think people who say they don't like audiobooks just haven't picked an interesting book or they think because they don't like yeah. reading, they're not going to like audiobooks. But that's not the case. Like it's a, it's a totally different experience. Like as someone yeah. who does, like obviously, I read books from the page and also listen to them. Like the experience is definitely different. And I think I think it's fair if you know that you are literally the kind of person that I cannot retain that information when I don't have it. Like when I'm not looking at it, I think that's fair. But a lot of times, I think people also conflate like lectures with audiobooks where it's like no you're gonna have a totally different experience listening to a book versus like trying to remember information that your teacher told you in school you know yeah those are different experiences because when you're listening to a book you're not listening to get information you are listening as an invested party yeah (laughs) it's very different yeah and also like there's something about being able to do something else that for me is really helpful like I can I have a physical thing because I almost exclusively am doing something while I'm listening to audiobooks. Like I don't usually just like sit there and listen to it. I'm usually playing Sims or something. And so then I have a visual to go along with it, even though the visual isn't the book. I have a lot of books that I associate with specific Sims characters, um, which I think is fun. Um, But yeah, so that's me on my soapbox telling you that if you haven't tried to listen to audiobooks because you think it's not for you, maybe just maybe just try it out a little bit and see your if you like local it. You library has lots of options for free i promise and they're promise. way easier to get your hands on than like yes ebooks because like i guess just less people mm-hmm. are in line for them and so like when you're borrowing from your library on overdrive or whatever they're easier to get so that's all i'm saying i know i um my friends and i have been doing like our little weekly zoom calls you know to stay connected or whatever and I told them I was like I've been reading a lot of like just happy 
chiclet romances because I just need positivity in my life at the moment. And they were like, oh, give me your recommendations. So I had to like write up some recommendations for my friends. But I told them about the fact that you can just check things out from the library, which I've told them before, but I don't think they'd ever really been interested because I didn't really have any time to be reading. And right. now everyone's like, give me book recommendations. And I yeah. just blew their mind. And I was like, they literally the like our county library you don't even have to have a library card you just put in your phone number it's phenomenal it's so good like libraries are so good you guys come on please utilize your libraries please it's amazing so books for free come on i and i still have audible i still pay for books because i do like to be able to get things when i want them yeah um also i'll buy books yeah but I use the library quite a lot. Like you can do both. You don't have to exclusively do one or the other. I will also say audiobooks while running or working out is an underrated form of distraction. Oh, for it sure. It is so much more effective to me to listen to something interesting that is actually keeping my brain like engaged than it is to listen to music. Yeah. And I'm like a person that. who likes music. I'm not like a person who doesn't <laughs> listen to music. You know? I'm not a music hater. Exactly. Like I like listening to music, but I just like I love running to an audiobook. I just it's awesome. Anyway, believe it. <laughs> we got really off the Yes, we did. That's all the track. That's, all, that's what we're about. Believability, I gave a three. Again, average feelings. I don't have a lot to say about believability other than that, like I liked the characters. I felt like they were real people. The only thing I had issues with believing was the romance however i've already talked about that so i'm not going to get into it too much i thought the magic system was interesting and also believable as as unorthodox as it was you know what i mean like it's pretty different from other series how they handle magic and the rules of magic but overall i felt average about it so so i have some thoughts about the magic of this world interesting um i liked it because like you like we have already said it's original it's different it doesn't fit like the tropes of magic necessarily that we are familiar with i want magic to have more rules though is my problem and i think mm. i mentioned this last week as well because that yeah. also had a magic element um i like magic mechanics to be more limiting because i feel like it can be a little too convenient sometimes if they're not uh so I thought that they were a little loosey-goosey for my tastes. Like there wasn't quite enough like explanation for me about, well, where does magic come from? Why can we use it? Like I want a little bit more of that personally, but it's not like that ruined the believability for me. I think it just would have added believability if that makes sense. Like it didn't take away, but I wish it was there. And I was already said, I didn't even not find the romance not believable. I just found it to be uninteresting. So I didn't dock any points for that because I thought the romance was believable. Like they're too ad- well, are they teenagers? How old are they? Um, I think they're Whatever. late teenagers. They're like two horny late teens who like are attracted to each other and hook up. So like, yeah, that's believable to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I did like the like relationships. Like we mentioned, the like dialogue was very believable. Like I liked all of that. I liked that there's kind of a politics element to this book that I thought was believable. There weren't like a ton of red flags for me other than wishing that there was more specificity in the magic mechanics. Uh, so for that, I gave it a three, but just like average, like I believed in the world. Um, some of the names were annoying. They were a little too hard to pronounce sometimes. I know that's really obnoxious to say. I just think it's confusing sometimes when you pick so many names that are like so out there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I do like it the main character's it... name though. I do. It's really pretty. Amora. I respect anyway. it. 
I respect it. I meant more place names than people names. Oh, yeah, that's fair. People names I I feel I find easier to keep up with. The place names can be kind of confused sometimes. Yeah. So I just gave it a three. Of like, I believed it. I believed the world. I think there could have been more, which is funny because I've been saying this book is really maximalist, but I don't think it was maximalist in the ways that <laughs> added to my believability. <laughs> that's fair. So. So what is your total? My total is a 2.83 and my gut says the book is a three. So that like feels right. Mm-hmm. My total is a 3.04, so that also feels right to me. Just like a solid middle of the road. Um, so what which, is our uh, cumulative yes. or average? Our our average is a 2.935. If you want to round that up to a 2.94 or just a 2.9, that's also okay. Which feels correct because, like you said, it's slightly, slightly under, like just barely under that straight up three. So... So, Gray, would you recommend this book? I would. I feel like my answer is almost always yes with a caveat. I feel like we've read very few books that I'm like, regardless of who you are, I'm going to recommend you this book. So that's how I feel about this one. If you like fantasy with a lot of world building and mermaids with cool teeth who are bisexual, I would recommend you this book, period. Yeah, I think this is like, if you think the concept is cool, read it and you'll probably enjoy it because it's by no means a bad book it's a good book and it just takes you wanting to be in that world yeah and you you might not have the same criticisms that we had so yeah literally my writing style doc was just like 100 percent a pet peeve so <laughs> yeah so so marcy what are we doing next week or whenever the next one's coming out because we're all we're all fuddled we're, we're all behind. befuddled. So we're switching up our theme, of course, as we do. And the next theme is going to be enemies to friends to lovers. Yay. <gasps> a favorite, a, Yay. a fan favorite, a crowd pleaser. Um, so next week, I have picked the book, A Song of Wraiths and Ruin, uh, which is the first of a new series. This book literally came out like, what, like two weeks ago? A week ago. From a week ago when this from is when we're recording yeah. so it's fresh hot off the presses fresh, i'm very excited fresh, about fresh. it i'll just read you the like quick the like bold part mm-hmm. uh the first in a fantasy duology inspired by west african folklore in which a grieving crown princess and a desperate refugee find themselves on a collision course to murder each other despite their growing attraction <sighs> oh it sounds exciting i'm excited for it it hits a lot of boxes really for pretty. me the cover is beautiful. It's very good. <laughs> um, this is the opposite of covers that should, shouldn't should have real people but do. <laughs> yeah. This is covers it's that like, have real people and should. And should and do it well. Should I also it. say I love books that take non-Western folklore. I love them. Because I've always been like a fairy tale person, you know? Like I really like retellings and I like taking advantage of things that we're all kind of familiar with. And recently in the past couple of years, I've gotten pretty bored of Western folklore. Been really fun branching out and reading books that take into account other cultures, you know, folklore. So I'm excited like to explore that. Born yeah. European, whatever. Yeah. It just, yeah. it's fresh. It's new. It's a cool way to learn about other cultures also. And like, even if it's not really the point of the book, I just think it's fun and it's neat. Yeah. And the more perspectives you read, the better. And I'm excited about it. And I am also excited about it. Fresh, fresh book. Straight from the book farm. Straight from the book farm. So straight from the book farm. Maybe the straightest mm-hmm. from the book farm that we've gotten. Oh, yeah. This one we're plucking straight from the tree. We're like, ah, oh, you are ripe. You are ready. Farm so to excited. table. 
for that. So, yeah, we'll be reading that, reviewing that, having that up. I'll have to come up with a segment. Oof, I've got to come up with a segment. Oof, oof. Segments are hard. Segments are the hardest part, honestly. I'll read the book. That's fine. Here are my thoughts. Segments? Oh, yeah. no. I can give my opinion. But but I love enemies to friends to lovers so much, it'll be okay. You know? <laughs> That's so true. We we all love enemies to friends to lovers. But my entire identity is formed by the concept of enemies to friends to lovers. <laughs> In the way that those Disney people are formed by Disney, I am formed by enemies to friends to lovers. Person you were forged in the fire of enemies to friends to lovers. I really, really was. Impressionable 11-year-old me. Anyway, so that's going to do it for us this week. Look in our description. Um, we've just put some links down there. I'm sure you've seen them literally everywhere over social media, but we feel that it is I would hope you job. have. Yeah. yeah, right? Feel that it is the least we can do like to at least throw it in our description um, since right. we are really not the voices that need to be speaking right now. So. And also don't have the revenue from this. It's not like we're making a lot of money from this to be oh. able to donate to anything. We're making no money from this. I would happily be negative like, negative money from this. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I would happily be like, let's donate proceeds to like causes, but we literally cannot. So, <laughs> And I'm unemployed right now. So the negative money thing is not that's great true. for me. not great for me i know i've been i i did donate but i um i also obviously do not have a job right now and so i the money that i donated was just like money the parents had given me that i hadn't used yet so i was telling mom i was like yeah i donated and she was like oh that's so sweet of you and i was like well actually it was sweet of you because it was your money originally (laughs) so i know i've been trying to do those uh youtube videos a lot um oh yeah if you haven't heard There are these stream to donate videos you can look at on YouTube and just play them. And the ad revenue from um, the ads that play gets donated to, there's usually like a list of where the money goes to. And so like we have just been playing them in the background, just having them on loop. Um, It's a really cool and easy way to help if you are unable to donate or go to protests right now for various reasons. And I'll go ahead and put that in link as a link too. Just now. You know what else is a really cool and free way to help? Mm-hmm. Calling, emailing, and sending letters to your yes. local council members, Absolutely. local mayors, your statewide governors, um, because this is a at the end of the day a local issue um, yes. that's going to be handled city by city, department by department, uh, which means that you can actually make a difference in that. Like. You can't write to the president right now. Um, that's not going to do anything, but you can write to your mayor. <laughs> yes. And that actually means something. So Absolutely. All right. That's enough from us. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. So Pick up A Song of Wraiths and Ruin. Yeah. Do it. Do it. We're, we're excited to read it. We are. It's A Song of Wraiths and Ruin. Yes. Just the one. Just the one. One song. <laughs> the one song. Okay. You may have a song once. Just once. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.